Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmidt, Swanee and Clarkie visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Welcome back. <laughs> hello, hello. 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 How are we? How are we all? Warm. <laughs> mm. Living through a bit it of a warm. little, we've got a little heat wave where we are. Are you anywhere near the fires? Oh, well, I guess the answer is yes and no. I think there's some down south and there's some in the hills. So no, we're not near it because we're near the beach, but you can certainly see helicopters and smoke and stuff in the very far distance. So, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not as bad as the ones that we had in February. So hopefully um, this will be as bad as it gets. But I mean, it's early in the season, isn't it? And it's hot. Yeah. 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 Clarky? Yes. Uh, yeah, we're good. We're um, just chilling after a... Uh, a full-on Christmas, and by full-on, I don't mean by the number of people that we had, but more so by the crazy shenanigans that we had. The uh, number of presents Santa so, bought you. Oh yeah, he just always brings <laughs> loads here, as you could imagine. Uh, not really, um, yeah, but uh, remember we were talking about um, collecting uh, back in the day uh, when mm. Schmidt did the doll story i think it was yeah totally yep uh, i was i was talking about collecting empty wine bottles <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like um everyone in the street decided to uh donate some to my collection because our uh, recycling bin is absolutely chopped because it's already out in the street uh, even though it doesn't get picked up for another couple of days just to get it out <laughs> of sight so yeah it was fun Oh, that sounds nice. How about you, Schmitty? Cool. I had a lovely family Christmas with my family, basically, and um, it was yeah, it was just really nice. It was a, it was, uh, you know, like as you go past childhood, Christmas can become a bit disappointing, and you know, being the single auntie, I always feel ripped off because I give all these presents and I get four back. I was, I know that's not the point of Christmas, but it is really. So I find that. Sometimes a bit annoying, but I did pretty well this year, so I can't complain. And, um, yeah, we just had lots of food. I didn't actually drink that much through Christmas, which was novel, but nice. Surprising. um, (laughs) Yeah, I think, I don't know, I was just tired, so I just don't think I... And I was probably a bit acidic, um, so I just didn't want to go too hard on that. And, you know, all this rich food that you're eating and all the rest of it, so... But that was good. And then um, Boxing Day, Mum and I packed up the car as we have every other year for I think 20 years and drive up to Ilden which is where I am recording from today and it's been beautiful up here haven't been on the houseboat yet because I'm letting my nephew and his girlfriend use it for a couple of days but then as of tomorrow we've got Tony and his children and their partners and their children coming up for three nights to stay on the boat so that's going to be an adventure how many people's that uh, there'll be eight How many of us. Of them are on there? The That's going to be amazing. Yeah, that'll be good. So six oh, adults, nice. two little kids. That was like one of those maths problems. If I had two people on the boat and I was in the house with my mum <laughs> and Tony and his kids came up, how many people would be on the boat? And 
Carla, you clearly had no interest in trying to solve that problem. No, nah. <laughs> Just... no. Nah. Straight to what's the answer? <laughs> tell you the answer. Well played. That's right. That's right. Correct. What are we drinking? Shall I go first? Because I never seem to. But absolutely, today I am. absolutely. I'm saying I'm. Sure. Today, mm. well, I figure it's between Christmas and New Year. I don't have to go and do anything this afternoon, so I can get started. So I'm going to have a um, a glass or a couple of glasses of mm. my favourite rosé, which is called Rameau d'Or, which I believe in French means golden branch, I think, and it's Cote de Provence, and it's one of those rosés that's really, really clear and. Hopefully it won't make me too nasally, although I'm pretty sure we'll find out in due course, so won't we? Well, um, you yeah, <laughs> I haven't actually, no, but um, let's see how I go. I might be on the nasal sprays in very short shrift. <laughs> what about you guys? Oh, sorry, we're on a uh, Nightingale Brothers Alpine Cider, which is a, a local one. So um, it's made from 100% family-grown apples, and it's from the snow country, so... Uh, it's quite nice. It's a dry cider. Um, mm, bit of a change because we've been drinking so much wine according to that empty wine bottle collection. We thought we'd uh, deviate. And you, Schmidty? Well, you know, in the um, uh, vein of trying to stay tidy, I'm working my way through lower alcohol wines at the moment and I am drinking Jacob's Creek... Better by half, which is a rosé, and it's got half the alcohol of a normal rosé. It's a little sweet. It's a very pretty colour. Um, and I'm not sure if I left it in the bar fridge for too long back at home, but it's a little frizzante, which I'm not sure it's meant to be. So I've already had my hydrodol, just in cases. Um, so that's what I'm on. Delish. I have to say I was thinking of you in the lead up to Christmas. One of the gifts that I was asked to purchase for a friend's son who's 18 was, sounds a bit odd, but one was a bottle of port, which apparently he liked, which I thought was something that sort of older people would generally like, but also beer. Um, so I went in, I was speaking to a guy in a bottle shop locally, and he was so helpful, but he took me to this wall. And if I'm in a bottle shop normally, I'm normally just in to grab something to take somewhere or I order stuff online. But I certainly wouldn't go to like the beer fridge or the mixed drinks fridge. It was unbelievable. And all I could think of was you, Shreddy. It was like, oh my God, the the branding is like amazing. And I said, I can't mm. believe this. I never look. And he said, well, you know, this is what everybody drinks. I guess because there's so many limitations with alcohol advertising, the branding has to do the work for it. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of things that I'd like to see you trying. So I, I'll go back Ooh, okay. after Christmas <laughs> and um, I'll take some pictures and I'll send you some stuff because there was lots of things that I know that I couldn't handle but I thought oh I must get Schmidt and Clarky or trying some of these things they can drink this there were loads I of can't different drink things. It. the branding was amazing they could drink this uh, oh god I'm, I'm sure crazy that Clarky oh. and I can take one for the team happy to yes. oh I'd really appreciate that but it was really <laughs> quite impressive I, I realized just how out of the loop I am hmm Yes. yes, we can definitely do that, and we can give you some feedback. I was just going to give you an update. You know, last time we were recording, Tony gave me 24 bottles of uh, vodka cruiser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think yes. there are three left, but in my defence, 24 bottles of vodka cruiser, 24 <laughs> bottles of vodka. In my defence, the nieces have helped out over Christmas. So, uh, yeah, yeah, because they're basically children's Alka Pops, as you pointed out at the time. 
And so on Christmas Day, I got a little bit of a helping hand with that case of Vodka Cruiser. Okay, so should we remind people who we are? Sure. Okay, I'll go first. Are we ready? <laughs> I'm Schmitty. Yep. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together we are... Trial, Trial by, by Wine. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, are we ready for a story? Yes. I've got one for us today. Carla's got a story, so let's crack into it. All right. Uh, no preamble for this one. I think we'll just dive straight in. Uh, in mm-hmm. terms of sources, it's a story out of the US, uh, and I suspect it was probably very well publicised at the time. So it's been featured on a number of um, big networks where they've done, um, you know, little docu-series on it. So some of my sources include um, ForensicFiles.com, uh, ABC News. Uh, what else did I use? I used... Any Lad Bible? Uh, I didn't use <laughs> Lad Bible. I didn't use Lad Bible, but there is something that I have yeah. never heard us reference before, and I kind of don't want to say it up front because it's going to give something away, but have okay. you ever heard of Murderpedia? <laughs> yes, yes, I have, yes. Murderpedia. Oh! I have, yes. Oh, my God, it's definitely. so good. Okay, well, there you go. I thought that was going to be the big okay. reveal. <laughs> but Murderpedia is yes. being... Fabulous, and I like it's asking you, you know, to make um a donation a like donation. you do with like Wikipedia. It's like, oh yeah, exactly. Oh gosh, but uh, you know the work involved in trying Did to you? make these stories and edit them to the way that they've done them. No, I didn't. I was just reading it. And I was thinking, someone's done a lot of work here. They've done a brilliant job because there's a lot to it. And, you know, I think when we look at these stories, there's always these different components to it, and trying to pull it together in a way that sort of gives a bit of a reveal without telling you the whole story up front is is where the trick lies. Um, but, you know, Murderpedia, I thought it was brilliant. Anyway, there we go. So they're my sources. And our story starts in Springfield. Oh. Springfield, Illinois. <gasps> and, is it well, about before I go any further, um, our lead character, or well, there's a, a couple, is a gentleman called Mark Winger. And guess what Mark's job is in Springfield? Does he work at He's the... He's a nuclear um, engineer. Nuclear plant? He yeah. nuclear plant. <laughs> he does. He does. Yes. He does. He's a, he's a, he's a nuclear brilliant. engineer that works at a nuclear plant. And um, so that then sent me off checking. You made my day. And it turns out after I think 25 seasons or something, Matt Groening came out and revealed that the Springfield in The Simpsons is actually based on Springfield in Oregon, not Springfield in right. Illinois. I was going to say, so there are quite a few Springfields, aren't there? There are quite Correct. a few Springfields. Yeah, there yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this one is Springfield, Illinois. And we meet our two main characters and they're um, a lovely young couple called Mark and Donna Winger. And they were married in 1985, and I think it was around this time that Mark was offered this job, which I believe is, you know, somewhat prestigious as a nuclear um, engineer at a government-operated nuclear plant. Um, and 
Donna is... It sounds very prestigious, except that I've seen The Simpsons <laughs> before and I feel like all he does is sits back in his chair and eats donuts and watch, or tries to watch things but doesn't really do a very I'm good I'm not job sure of it. that uh, Homer is a graduate with a, um, engin- a nuclear engineering degree, but I could be wrong. I think he's more of a technician. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with yeah. that. Yeah. So I think or, Mark or Winger is an educated... Industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah. So... Right. Yes. So they're a very okay. happy, um, recently married couple in Springfield, Illinois. So... Um, oh, and Donna works at the local hospital and she's um, an operating room technician. So she's um, with doctors and surgeons and you know, she's highly respected and works with, you know, like, you know, obviously the medical industry and again successful in her own right and they're really you know they're kind of this lovely young couple that people really put on a pedestal and think gosh they've got it all going on the only thing is that they're unable to have children so Donna finds out relatively early in their marriage that it's just not going to happen and it puts a little bit of pressure on their marriage but they you know they're certainly trying to find ways of bringing a child into that house Um, and then being adopted myself I find this somewhat amazing but one day at work uh donna is approached by one of the doctors and he tells her that he knows of a teenage girl who is pregnant who will be looking to adopt her child so donna goes home and tells mark and what do you know they say yes and somehow because i cannot imagine this ever happening in this country um Certainly because I've, you know, certainly known people who have wanted for a child so very desperately. I, I, this seems ludicrous. This actually did happen, but it did. And um, they did adopt the little girl that this teenager had. And on the 1st of June, 1995, so six, sorry, is that right? 1995, yeah. The wingers welcomed baby Bailey. And there's actually footage online that you can see. So, yes. Was it? It, it sounds like um, he was the doctor was like some kind of uh, baby dealer because you know if I knew somebody who was adopting a child, I feel like there'd be a whole system you had to go through. Oh, totally. You wouldn't just go. Oh, so I'm assuming that this then like, must like have got a, into the system. I'm assuming that this went into the system. I don't understand how that works because I. Um, because oh, it's right, not yeah. this is the story is not about this, yeah. Mm. But I mean, I I just find I he didn't just bring it to work. No, for her to take no, they you know she knew from when the baby was when the the teenager was pregnant, and then it, somehow it was organised. <laughs> but I I just don't think you would do. I don't think that would happen in Australia. I can't imagine that. But anyway, that's not even the story. Can you believe I've, it? I've got a friend who's got a, do- a dozen eggs that they <laughs> don't want. Yeah. Um, I can bring them into work <laughs> for you if you want, and you can have. Well, it does sound a bit like that. That's kind of how I saw that playing out. For a I minute. also yeah, think that yeah. I've made an error because I've I said that, yeah. it, that it was in 1985. It was actually 1989. That was my writing. So there you go. It was six years from the time they were married to the time they got Bailey, the baby girl. So um, six years of being happily married, uh, put on a pedestal, seen by local the local community in um, Springfield, Illinois, as you know a really settled, lovely young couple about to do stuff you know their careers are taking off and then with the arrival of baby bailey life is you know considered to be somewhat perfect for them 
as I was saying, there's footage of baby Bailey arriving and the grandmother, Donna's mother, is filming. And they literally drive up the driveway and a baby is handed over to Donna and Mark. And it is just beautiful. They're crying and Donna is kissing this baby and she's kissing Mark and Mark's kissing Donna on the head. And can it is I, the beginning of a family. Ask, yeah, sure. the baby in a basket? Because, you know, I've got this image of this traditional like, <laughs> little orphan Annie being left in a basket. Yeah. You know, babies being given put in a basket and pushed in a river that was you know biblical i'm sure she came in a bassinet but she was actually in the footage that i saw she was carried from a car so i don't know what she was in she was carried from a car in someone's arms and handed and handed to donna and donna said that from the moment that she held bailey she knew that it was you know it was meant to be and, you know, my mum would say the same thing, so good on her. Hmm. Um, yep. It was just a really beautiful moment. And it, you could see that it was, you know, at the beginning of a family and their lives had... Was the baby a Trojan horse? Was the baby a Trojan horse, did you just say? You yes, yes. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I just feel like, every, you know, you're, you're telling this story of everything going <laughs> really, really well and then this baby arrives and I just feel like maybe... It's just trying to find a way to infiltrate that. Yeah, a whole bunch of angry Greeks came out of the baby later and murdered everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's yeah. where I'm, exactly I'm headed with this. Yes. You, you got me. But only, but only small ones. And, and you ones. were worried about That's Very right, small. tiny little ones. But, you know, like little Greek borrowers. And uh, you were worried about a reveal, Carla. My God. <laughs> we're already there in the first two minutes. See, Schmitty, Schmitty I can be intuitive <laughs> too, you know. <laughs> There's something. Oh, that I nailed just know it, as well. Paul! Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway. Oh goodness. Baby. Anyway, so that's the whole story. No. So beautiful story. little baby Bailey has arrived, <laughs> and um, they're just so blissfully happy. And uh, a few months after, so maybe two, two and a half months after that, um, Donna makes a trip to visit her parents, her mother and her stepfather, in Florida. Uh, they're in a place called Hollywood, Florida. And they go down there. And again, I've seen footage of them and it's just gorgeous. Donna is in the pool with baby Bailey and, you know, she's this beautiful young mom, beautiful little baby. And you can just tell the grandparents, I think that um, Bailey was their first grandchild. Everybody's doting. It's this sort of blissful scene where it, the sun is shining and this gorgeous family have, you know, like pretty much against all odds, <laughs> had a man come up to them at work and, and give them a baby. Um, they're much long for a baby. So life is good. So after a few days spent with her parents, Donna heads home. Um, and to try and help Donna get home the easiest way, because obviously she's traveling with a young baby, her parents organize for her to have, um, I guess you'd call it an airport car. They might use the word limousine, but it wasn't. It was just a, you know, a car. But, you know, I know Americans use different terminology than we do. But she didn't land in... Um, Springfield she landed in St. Louis Missouri and it was actually a two-hour journey but it was going to be easier for her to make that commute apparently from St. Louis in a car back to Springfield so is she driving or she's no got a driver? she's got a driver so there's an airport car a driver right. is taking her and okay. that was the idea that it would be easier for her to be with the baby look after the baby and that was why her parents had organized for that However, yeah, it's the- just like just like when we flew back into Stansted. When I was, <laughs> I was uh, twenty eight, and that central London in airport pustules. Yep, uh, flew in, and I was covered in pustules because I had uh, chicken pox. Uh, chicken pox oh. for the week that we were in Corsica, and I organised for an airport car, if that's what we're going to call it, 
to pick me up and drive me three and a half hours out yes. to Froome because uh-huh. there was no way I was getting on a train looking like I had Ebola virus. But, yes, I digress. So I understand. Yes. <laughs> so that was their thinking. Did the- did the driver say no, ma'am? I'm sorry. I had to no. I had told go, them. Right. I had told them when I rang to organise it that I had chickenpox, that I looked pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, I was no longer contagious. Well, which was a complete fabrication. I wasn't lying. Maybe let's put it down to um, a language barrier between us and the Corsican doctor, mm. because he didn't speak any English and we didn't speak. Well, Carla spoke a smattering of French. And when she was trying to describe to the doctor what she thought was wrong with me, she actually said "poule pox," uh, which I don't think <laughs> I don't think is the correct <laughs> translation of chicken pox. I can't believe I said that, but yes, it was I really would've. funny. And he scribbled something on a piece of paper, which got us on nice. the flight and got us back to London. And I got this car, and I'm pretty sure I probably was still contagious. But if you've had it, the guy probably thought I've already had chicken pox. I don't care. Um, it wasn't. COVID, let's put it that way. No. Uh, but yes, um, I managed to get back to London and get a car. So, and, to, and with my poulet pox. Just to add to that story, the reason uh, Schmidt was in Corsica at the time mm. was for my 30th birthday. No, uh, that's not when I got. It <gasps> was the year before. Oh, God, it is true. I got them all confused because unbelievably, for my after, 30th birthday, right. after being um, in Corsica, I got the chicken pox. Of exactly course. a year later. That was in Sardinia, you're right. Yep, yeah. Oh, my God. And, um, that's no, crazy. No, it was when we were with your mum. That's we right. With your mum, Sandy, yeah. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. There you go. We Don't we get a Corsica, you get chicken pox. Yeah, anyway. yeah exactly. <laughs> Corsican poulet pox, yes. Poulet pox. <laughs> okay. So she's in the car, and she's going to be in that car for two hours. And uh, unfortunately, it was one of those really dreadful rides where the driver was just not up to um, the job. He started opening up to Donna and he was talking about his own issues, his own mental health issues, and he said that he had um, a voice in his head that he called Dam, and Dam would tell him to do bad things. So basically Donna was really uncomfortable. During the two hours he also talked about the fact that he was involved in orgies and that he kind of was hitting on her and it was just a nightmare. She's this young mum with a baby just desperate to get home and she's basically endured this really shitty oh trip back God. with a guy who's a bit of a crackpot, total sleaze bag and really just scaring her and she just mm. wants to get home. Um, and also driving erratically and over the speed limit. So it was harrowing by all accounts. And when she got oh. back to Mark and told Mark about it, um, he was obviously concerned for her and, you know, they were both deeply upset. Um, and then, you know, they settled Bailey. And then a couple of days later, they were talking about the um, the drive again. And it was at that point that Mark said, look, you've really got to make a complaint. So they called um, the limousine company to file a complaint. And Harrington, who was the chap's name, he was suspended. Um, and at that time, Mark also urged um, Donna to write down in detail what had happened so that they had on record um, what um, Harrington had said to her and what she'd sort of endured during that two-hour car ride because it was so bad. Um, yes. I feel like Dan, the voice in Harrington's head, isn't going to deal with that complaint <laughs> no. very well. No. And, and it's, 19, it's 1989 and... 
not sure that people are going to have the processes in place to protect the complainant, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. It's actually 1995, remember, because I got it wrong. Oh. So it was 89 to 95. So this is 1995. Oh, right, right. But honestly, same, same. No difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So this chap um, is suspended from work because, you know, and actually rightly so, because you can't, you, can't, you can't be doing that. People have paid for a service. That's not right. But I dare say there was no follow-up. That was just the way it was. So that is uh, about two and a half, maybe close to three months after uh, after Bailey has arrived. Then we jump to three months after Bailey has arrived. And on the 29th of August, 1995, Mark Winger makes a 911 call to Springfield Police Department. Yeah. Uh There's a million little Greek men running around my house. The Trojan baby trick works. Right. Is that what he says? Uh, it's like alien. They've been breeding in there since she came into the house. They hadn't quite burst out yeah. yet. That's why That's why Carla's telling us about all this yes, delay right. from the time Bailey arrived so we're only to when the talk- Greeks exploded. We're only talking <laughs> three months. So from yeah. that glorious, glorious time where we said the beautiful times, baby arriving yeah. to her visiting her parents, which was probably two and a half months, to, you know, maybe a bit more, maybe two months, three weeks. Uh, we're talking about a really very small window. And now we have Mark Winger desperately calling 911. So August 29, 4.30 in the afternoon, people are returning home from work in this, you know, really lovely suburban area. And we've got Mark Winger calling 911 to report that he'd shot a man who was killing his wife. Oh, my God. Yeah. When former Springfield police detective Charlie Cox arrived at Winger's home, he remembered they could see the victims from the front door. Mm. Donna was clinging to life. Um, She'd been hit no less than seven times in the head with a hammer. Oh, my God. The second victim, a white man, had suffered two gunshot wounds to the head but still had a pulse when they arrived. It was quite chaotic, Cox said. I knew that they were probably going to be transporting victims soon. So I wanted to try and get identification on that male subject. Cox found the man's wallet and was able to identify him as Roger Harrington. So he was the driver. Yeah. Mm. Um, police recovered a bloodied hammer near the two bodies and found Winger's um, 45 caliber semi-automatic handgun, a yellow mug and a pack of cigarettes on the same dining room table. They also noticed that Harrington's car had been parked against traffic facing the wrong way. At the crime scene... Cox said Winger was very upset and very emotional and that he repeatedly asked who the man who'd killed, he'd killed was. Cox avoided identifying Harrington and tried to calm Winger down. So now they calm Winger down a little bit and they go and sit him down. They start asking him what's happened. Winger told police he'd been on the treadmill in the basement of the house when he heard a thud, a large thump upstairs. So he gets off the treadmill and he goes up the stairs to investigate. As he walks past the master bedroom in the house, he finds that baby Bailey is left, sorry, has been left alone on the bed. And at that moment, he knows that's something that Donna would never do. So he grabs the gun from his nightstand and he proceeds to go into the hallway, at which point he says he sees um, a white male um, at, at attacking his wife with a hammer. He then... Um, walks in the hallway, sees the the gentleman swinging the hammer at him. Winger said he shot Harrington, then immediately shot a second time when he began to sit up. So he said he shot him twice. 
As police... Um, Double tap. Yep. As police um, combed through the scene, Winger asked police if the intruder's name was Roger. Cox, the detective, or the, you know, the policeman, confirms that it was. Mark was shocked and was saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's the man who was harassing my wife this week. Um, and, of course, we know that it turns out that that indeed had been the driver, the gentleman who had taken um, Donna from St. Louis to um, Springfield, Illinois. Mm. So uh, we're at the crime scene. They take the bodies off, and I think very shortly they don't, they don't make it to the hospital. They both die. Oh, shame. Um, and interestingly, Cox, who was the, um, the policeman there, actually was very familiar with Harrington. He dealt with himself. He said, um, he thought it was very, very, um, believable that Harrington would have snapped. And the reason he said was, I knew him to be very volatile. He and his wife had rented a trailer from me. Knowing what I knew about Mr. Harrington in the past and how quick he was to anger, I thought he was very well could have gone over there and tried to get, you know, in trying to get his job back and things gone awry. So there's a hammer laying there. He's, he's gone crazy and he said he could have gone into a rage. So the husband shoots the bad guy. It all made perfect sense. And within 48 hours, the case was closed because it was so obvious that this guy had gone to kill um, the woman who had reported him and he'd lost his job. Um, Harrington's family insisted from the outset that their son was harmless. Um, he was no troublemaker. He was a good kid. He wouldn't strike at anybody. But everybody else thought that that wasn't necessarily true. And Cox's first-hand um, interaction with him would suggest that he thought that he could be a real threat and certainly somebody who could lose their cool and something could go wrong to the point where he was capable yeah. of something quite dangerous. Yeah, so they've just applied Occam's razor. You know, the most obvious yeah. or something, you know, the, the, the most logical answer usually is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So our, you know, darling new mum, Donna, is dead. I mean, brutally murdered with, yeah, a, with a hammer. Um, and her poor husband and family are just devastated. Devo. Yeah. So in the... Or are uh, they? In the following months, um, Donna's mother and sisters, <laughs> they took, they took um, turns travelling to Illinois to help take care of baby Bailey. Um, and they, they loved Mark. You know, they just adored him and they were there to support him as well. But they also realised they needed to be very, very careful yeah. um, they because they something. knew that their relationship with Bailey and, you know, had to always go through Mark. So they, you know, were very respectful of him yeah. and trying to help him but not sort of overstep you know their, be their boundary or anything in Correct. case he cuts them off from their grandchild yep. yeah yep. in the months following um donna's death her mother and sisters um took turns in traveling from florida up to illinois to look after baby bailey and they would sort of take turns so there was always sort of somebody there with mark you know, they loved Mark because Mark loved Donna so much and they just wanted to support him in any way they could. Obviously, he'd suffered such mm. a huge loss plus, you know, the, the trauma of it all. Oh. But, um, you know, they also were mindful that they didn't want to sort of overstep any boundaries and they just wanted to make sure they were in Bailey's life but also, you know, they knew that Mark was in charge and, you know, they were they were very respectful in that, in that, way, in that regard. 
But over time, I think that um, they realised it was just too difficult and too big a commitment to always be one of them there. And they suggested to Mark that it was probably time that he hired a nanny. So in January of 96... Twist, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) In January of 1996, um, a young girl called Rebecca Simich um, becomes Bailey's nanny. She was young and beautiful and with a heart of gold. Just before we get on to that, can I just interrupt and ask, if you were... It, it just seems odd that Mark would want one of them there the whole time. Don't you think? No. I think if there was a baby in my house and I would had somebody there who was going to help me and I could go to work, I'd be jumping at the chance. So I think they were just uh, yeah, trying to help point. out. It's just about the baby. It yeah. wasn't about Mark. That's all. It's just so oh, he could okay. go to work and someone... like a, Just think of it like a babysitting thing. And for them, that's what they were sort of doing. They weren't trying to do anything other than yeah. help him get to work and Bailey. Yeah, so I think, I assume that's what it was. Gotcha. You can't Um, take babies to the nuclear plant, can you? Well, I don't know. I've seen Maggie there. Doesn't she take an isotope? (laughs) Well, it's not an isotope, but whatever it is, and it drops out at the supermarket. I've seen that. Yeah, Bailey, daddy's busy. Just go and play with the warhead. (laughs) It said that um, Rebecca Simich had... Was, I think was by all accounts a very good candidate and she said that she'd interviewed with lots of families including families who were very wealthy but that she really could see that poor baby Bailey needed to have a really positive influence because as she saw it, as Rebecca the nanny saw it, she'd lost two mothers in the space of three months and by that obviously she means her birth mother and then her adopted mother uh, Donna. So as um, one of uh, Donna's sisters said I didn't want to like Rebecca, but it was hard not to like her. Seeing her with Bailey, there was really nothing bad we could say about her. Um, so we're starting to see that they've got this, you know, by all accounts, wonderful nanny who's truly there for Bailey's best interests and trying to really um, look after the little girl. Um, there's actually a quote here from Rebecca Simich, and she says, She lost two mothers by the time she was three months, and yet she was so smiling. I wanted to get in there and say, I'm going to help, and I'm going to make this little girl's life better. By by lost two mothers, we mean... The natural mother and adopted mother. Yeah. Yeah. Just because he's just saying, like, in three months, she's already lost, you know, two mums. So I just... She really felt for her, and that was why she accepted the position. Because I imagine it would be quite tricky. I mean, you you know, going and working for a recently, you know, widowed, you know, gentleman who had seen his wife murdered and murdered the um, perpetrator. Um, it's although, like something you know, out of a gothic novel, but yeah. Yeah, okay. it's pretty awful. Mm. I, I've only just realised that Baby Bailey is a girl and not a boy. That was pretty quick of me. Yeah. Or a dog. Well, so, or a ba- ba- <laughs> If you've seen A Dog's Purpose, the dog's name is Bailey. Oh, yes, that's true, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So at... So as this sort of is happening, so in the background, um, Mark is really seen as a hero by many locals, you know, in the sense that he has this beautiful little baby, he lost his wife, he's had to try and, you know, defend her and he's killed um, this crazy guy in in doing so. Um, He's received uh, $25,000 from a fund for crime victims as well as a life insurance policy. And he's written to the local um, newspaper thanking local residents for their support during his ordeal. 
So he's, you he's know, just he, doing everything. He's doing right, it right. That's exactly mm. right. So mm. I'm on in, to him. in the background, that's happening. But he also does think at that point that, you know what? I think I'm going to sue the transportation company because if it wasn't for them, my daughter, my daughter, sorry, my daughter wouldn't would still have her mother and my wife mm. would still be alive. But so they go one step too far. Mm-hmm. Correct. So mm. he wanted. He, there was an investigation started into the Boothal Area Rapid Transportation Company, um, and he was suing them. So he had to go back to the police, and he um, he was asking them questions. He, he asked for his gun to be returned, which it was, um, and he he was telling them how he was going to then sue the the transportation company. And at that point, there were a couple of conversations between the policemen. They said they felt slightly uncomfortable and nothing more was done, but they they were starting to have, perhaps harbour some doubts and, you know, just question some of the things that happened. But when they raised it with their superiors, it was kiboshed. So Mark's busy getting the good word out and trying to get all the money in. And then what do you know? It just so happens that at home... When you live with someone and you're taking care of a child together, it's very easy when you're playing house to fall in love. Mark made me feel like I was an angel sent to him from God or Donna. As I said, Uh gothic novel. And it was my purpose. Sent to him him from God or Donna. God or Donna, very important. (laughs) And it was my That's, purpose. They're, they're, not, they're not on the same level. I feel like you would be able to tell which one. God. And it was my purpose to make or that Donna. family whole again. Or Donna. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I always get the two confused. <laughs> Just to be clear in terms again. of time. God or Donna? God or Donna. Yeah. Who do I pray to? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like so lesbian or t- German. You, you get photos and is it God or Donna? <laughs> Oh, that's very good. God, no, Donna. Definitely Donna. Oh, no, God. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go so with God is actually a woman then, if that's the case, because... Well, Ariana Grande says she is, so I'm sure that's true. Um, Must be, should then. know. So August yeah. 95 is when um, Donna was murdered. Mm. Rebecca Simic starts with Mark Winger in January of 96, and during the course of that year... This relationship starts. What's the cooling off period? (laughs) I would like to know, and I would. uh... (laughs) Why would you like to know, Carla? Uh, Well, (laughs) oh, well, I'm interested. (laughs) Not for personal reasons, of course, but I asking for a friend. (laughs) I I do wonder if it. I, I think it definitely has to do with, yeah, how someone expired. And Schmidt, do you know the answer to that? You seem to know a lot in these situations. <laughs> I think, as Carla was going to say, it's circumstantial. Mm. If you hated your partner, or if in fact you killed them or arranged for them to be killed, <laughs> the period of time before you start another relationship might be shorter. Just saying. Just, just. Yeah. Saying. You, buy, you buy yourself a little bit less time. Yeah. So Rebecca Simic said that she saw Winger as a hero in the family's tragic story of Donna's murder and that she believed he tried her best to save her. I remember asking him how he could move on so quickly and he explained to me that when you have a good marriage, it's natural for you to want that again. 
That's not Simic true. Simic said Winger had told her he wasn't able to have children. So she said she was very surprised when she found out she was pregnant with his child only months after moving in. Obviously, I wasn't yeah, careful. Yeah, she would be. I was kind of in shock. Hang on. She, she was surprised. Yes. She's got knocked up because he said he couldn't, couldn't have, have children. Couldn't have children, so she wasn't using any protection because he said he couldn't have children. Ah. Right. Another twist. Another twist. Yeah, Winger, the on the other hand. Is there any try before you buy? Oh, God. <laughs> Could you imagine? What a... Oh, God. Winger, on the other hand, was thrilled, Simich recalled. I felt like it was a victory to him, she said. Mark put pressure on me to marry him and have children with him. Simic said that Winger, this is important, who was Jewish when they met, even started going to church with her. She said he told her they could raise a family in a Christian home. I would be honoured to be your husband and blessed if you were my wife, Winger wrote in a letter to Simic. Winger's rabbi Michael Datz asked him That's quite unusual. about his change in faith. And mm. he says that Winger explained, Judaism is just too difficult and unforgiving. Rabbi Datz didn't understand, asking... Mark, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you need <laughs> forgiveness for? He said Winger didn't respond. So dun, 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 dun. <laughs> The couple eloped to Hawaii. Uh, we are talking yeah. about November 1996. 97. 96. So she started so working for him in January. 15 months. She's 15 pregnant. Months They're after married. John Correct. Was killed. They're married by yeah. November. Well, at least in... they'd met. <laughs> Remember Chloe and Kai? Oh, true, true. Yeah. Met? Yeah, yeah. They hadn't actually met when they, they got engaged. That's right. They were in. Well, they'd yeah, met, yeah, so. but not in person. Yeah. Oh, this podcast is a... really progressing. And also, it's it's a funny actually. Just to digress for a second, it's funny because we judge them as odd because it was pre-COVID. But I wonder how many people have met virtually through COVID, yeah. and never met in person and kind of hooked up, you know, Probably virtually. Yeah, but I, but then you're right. But it wasn't engaged COVID, so hey. as well. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yep. Sorry, Carla. No, no problem yeah. at all. So just coming back to the um, change of faith, is it like? Um, New life, new faith. Is that kind of a, a yeah, motto that so. goes around? Where you, I think that he probably thought he had a clean, a clean slate. And he, I think that he thought perhaps that um, within the Jewish faith, he may, perhaps he thought that he was going not to be able to be forgiven. And if he thought he'd start a clean slate. And she was clearly a, a practicing Christian. That he, if he started a new life with Rebecca and with Bailey and, you know, with the child that they were due to have, that um, he wanted to be doing that under a Christian household. Well, you and know. And leave other stuff behind. Start Christianity's fresh. not that keen on murder either. I mean, <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm being very presumptive, but um, where, did, where does Judaism sit on it? Wouldn't have thought it was particularly well, well, well looked at. Um, <laughs> does I does don't the Christian know. church recognise Jewish crimes? Like if. If Just he committed crimes. the crime whilst he was Jewish, did the Christian church recognise that or go, oh, no, that was when you were with the dark side and, and we know that you're better now? No, I think he's done it. it. It's a mortal sin. Or can you sin. carry it across? It, totally. it carries just, across. It's a mortal sin. Yeah. He's just yeah, done right. it in this sort of effort yeah. to leave behind what he had done. That's all. I don't. <laughs> carry it. You know, it's it's, it's not like it. moving from America to Mexico then. 
where yeah. you like honestly you, I, you won't I think get that Rebecca could have been any other religion and he would have been able to just switch because I don't think that it was so much that Christianity was important. I think the fresh start. So he hasn't gone to a safe place at all. <laughs> well, he and that's why they went to Hawaii and not Cancun. I don't think Judaism would ask for him to be extradited back from the Christ- Christian faith. <laughs> but I also Wouldn't think it, it would have helped more I importantly with Rebecca. <laughs> I think if she was, you know, a devout Christian and they wanted to start a, well, they were going to start a family and she, yeah. he was working quite hard to convince her that, he, you know, it was the right thing to do, it wasn't too soon, you know, that he loved her, that she was sent from God. It works better to that narrative. I don't even really think that it's so important that he's given up his Judaism. I think that that's just him going, whatever it it was before, for you and for our our family and for what we're doing together, let's all do that. And you're Christian, so let's make sure we do it to them. We'll do it like that. Is there there a possibility, Carla, and the the answer could be no, but is there a possibility also that if he's got this thing that he's decided he needs to be forgiven for, that by cutting off or moving himself away from the community of of the... um, you know, oh, the yes. Jewish temple. Yep. He's he's removing himself also from people who, you know, maybe knew him better than he'd like them to. Well, it's funny you should say that because that plays in nicely to what I was about to say. So it's 16 right. months, 16 months. So, you know, they were married in November, now it's December. Um, Winger told his, well, I guess she still is his mother-in-law, I guess maybe former mother-in-law now because she's now married to uh, Rebecca, that he was going to sell the house where Donna Wigger had died and buy another one just outside of town. He and Rebecca had started a family of their own and started cutting ties with Donna's family. Yeah. I received a letter from Mark one day wow. saying to me, I could not be called grandma. I wrote him back. Oh, and I, I begged what him, a please let me, please let her call me grandma. And he said, I'm sorry, there's no way I'm going to allow her to call you grandma. And that is the way it is. And she, he basically cut off Donna's parents from communicating with Bailey. That That's said, not a trick. No. Bailey's grandparents, so Sarah and Ira, um, continued to send her birthday cards. She was never given them, I don't think, but they always considered her their granddaughter. They had photographs of her when she was with her mother and as a baby. And the poor grandmother and her sisters, not only did they lose in such horrendous circumstances, their daughter, but then their granddaughter Mm. was kept from them and, you know, it just was terribly, terribly sad. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, So there we have it. They've become intimate. They are pregnant. They're in love. They're about to have a baby. They're married. And that's all within 16 months of... Donna's death and her family have now pretty much been cut off. So life goes on and over the, the following years, uh, Rebecca and Mark actually have three children of their own. So they have a brood of four, Bailey and her um, three brothers and sisters. And, you know, by all accounts, I think that they've got a, a pretty nice life. But then... In, let me see, February of 1999, so about three years later, a lady called Deanne Schultz comes forward. And I haven't mentioned Deanne Schultz before, but Deanne Schultz was actually Donna Winger's best friend. 
And Donna Schultz ah, has Schultzy. been having a little bit of a tricky time over the last, um, well, I guess, was it three and a half years since the, the murder? Um, mm. And that's because Deanne had been having an affair with Mark Wigger before Deanne, sorry, before oh, Deborah Donna was murdered. Correct. Right. Now... Deanne and Donna, I th- I have read somewhere, but I, I couldn't find it again. I think they worked together, um, and they were certainly best friends, and there are photographs with Deanne with the baby, um, and Donna had no idea, none whatsoever, that that was um, happening. And, of course, our dear friend Mark hadn't revealed that little nugget. But... <sighs> Basically, three and a half years after the murders of Donna Winger and Roger Harrington, Schultz came forward to the police about the affair she'd had with Winger before um, Donna's death. Mark Mm. was having a romantic relationship with Deanne. um, And um, Donna's sisters knew her so well, they kind of considered her like a bit of a de facto sister as well. Um, And they said that was something that they never, ever suspected. I guess they would have mentioned it beforehand, had they? Mm. Schultz told police about the incriminating statements Winger had made to her before the murders. Deanne stated... Oh, sorry, Schmitty. I was just going to ask, did um, Deanne continue to have a relationship with him after Donna was killed? I believe no, but I'm sure that I've read somewhere and then I cannot find it that it suggested that they did, but I, I'm not sure that that's true. And I can't I just wonder why it took her three and a half years to say something. So, oh, oh yeah. He, oh, oh. Yes. Just hang on in it's there. Coming. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. After the murders, Schultz's life went into a downward spiral. As investigators claimed, she struggled to make sense of the information she knew. She revealed to investigators that she'd actually attempted suicide several times. So she was having this huge, you know, guilt based on some of the things that Wing had said said to her previously. Once Schultz came forward, investigators decided to re-examine the evidence in the case, but to their surprise, it was gone. And the reason it was gone was because of his investigation. Remember, he was trying to get money out of the transportation company? So it said that when he'd gone, that some of the evidence had gone to them. The evidence they'd once held from Harrington Donna Winger's case had been released to Winger's attorney, who was working on a civil lawsuit against Bart Transportation. Winger filed the suit in an attempt to hold his company, sorry, to hold the company suit, uh, accountable for his wife's death, um, presumably committed by Harrington, who was the company's employee. So that's where all of the evidence had gone. But police re-examined certain aspects of the incident, such as why there weren't but signs... But they couldn't get it back? Yeah, that's what they... But they did have access to some stuff. So police re-examined certain aspects of the incident, such as why there were, weren't signs of forced entry into the home and why Harrington might have left potential murder weapons inside the car, including mm. a tyre iron and a knife, but instead used a <laughs> hammer belonging to the wingers, which happened mm. to be on the kitchen table. And ha- why did he leave a packet of cigarettes inside? Correct. Harrington's Because car- it sounds like he came up, she opened the door and he smacked her in the head, but clearly that's no. not true. Yeah. Harrington's car had also been parked conspicuously in the wrong direction, appearing to indicate Harrington did not try to hide that he was at Winger's home in any way. Detective also discovered Polaroid photos that had been taken 
by one of the officers first at the scene on that day. And they actually turned out to be really, really important. I think they kind of been overlooked nearly. Because remember, it was all done so quickly. It was like, you know, it was done in self-defence. Yeah, yeah. They just, you know, this they, guy's crazy. Assumption. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? An unconscious bias where yes. he just went, oh, yeah, no. Correct. It's yeah. only a matter of time this idiot would have done something like that. I've come across him before. Case yeah. closed. The uh, de- defective detecting. Absolutely. Anyway. Detective, detective. Uh-huh. Correct. Mm-hmm. Rears its ugly head again. <laughs> the three photos revealed the positions of the bodies before they were rushed to hospital. The images did not fit the story Winger told. Mark Winger had stated that Roger Harrington was kneeling down right next to Deborah Winger's head and he was beating her with a hammer. He stated he had shot him and the man fell backwards so that his feet remained near Donna's head. In reality, the Polaroid photos showed the exact opposite. Cox said the Also, fo- oh, kneeling down, just, you know, remember our conversation about purchase yes. some time ago. If you're trying to bludgeon someone to death uh-huh. with a hammer... Yeah. ..and... Obviously, if you have to get low because you've hit her, she's gone down. Yeah. I get that. Ouch. But surely you get a better swing from uh, standing up and and uh, bending over. You'll still get a better swing than you would if you knelt down to hit her. Yeah. Just the kneeling down. He might have downs. done his back. <laughs> he might have. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't <laughs> taken that into account. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No just worries. it's it just that seems <laughs> unlikely that he was kneeling down. Let alone that the evidence suggested that because if he, I think what you're saying is if he'd been shot from a certain direction, he would have f- p- been pushed in a certain direction, and he was yeah. in the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is starting to come to light, and Deanne's also saying this that, is um, defective detecting because yeah. fucking hell, that's mm. you know Agatha Christie 101. But Deanne's okay. little it, it feels like there was no detecting. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Tell no, us what right. happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, place closed. Yeah. That's exactly what that happened. Yeah. And so mm. because it, if, if you put yourself in Deanne's shoes, so Deanne says, um, Mark said to her, it would be easier for us to be together if Donna just died and all you'd have to do is come oh. in and find the body. Schultz said she felt at the time that the comments were just crazy talk. So you start to put together, but then... Crazy talk. It's just crazy talk. (laughs) It's the zany adventures. She's then been murdered. The case has been closed immediately. So she... It's not like there was any investigation where it would have sort of come out that he... No one asked her. No, exactly. No one... She wasn't even... So she's literally lurking in the shadows, (laughs) feeling, you know, utter guilt. She's had an affair with her husband, a best friend's husband... Her best friend's now been murdered. Um, there's been no real investigation. So she is, you know, as they say, in a downward Best to fight. say nothing then. You can see it happening. But, but she, yeah, exactly, Paul. I best not say anything. Why did Anyway, I, okay, I understand I've what got, you're saying, I've Carla, got the key to this I've lot. got an issue. Yeah, I've got an issue with this. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, go on. Right. I don't know. But, not, yeah, go not, on. Not DM. <laughs> So at this point... Do you, to, uh, do you want to talk about your issue to get it off your chest a little bit, Schmitty, or are we happy to proceed? Just, she sucks. She sucks. <laughs> she sucks. You know, this, <laughs> this, she sucks. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. That'll do. I'm Go glad on, you did that. <laughs> I, I, I like this. There's, um, it says, cool. Lee Detective Doug Williamson, a member of the Springfield Police Department, who had always harboured doubts about Winger's narrative, now had a second chance to examine evidence. 
Oh, hang on a minute. I like who is this person? Yeah. Someone who always thought exactly. that this didn't work out like that yeah, yeah. also didn't say anything. But they. But they I was too busy eating donuts to actually do anything. <laughs> but because it was considered such a you know cut you know cut and dry case, they had. I don't know if he was the one who had raised it, but it had been raised once before. I read somewhere, and it was sort of like, no, it, it's all good, just leave it. But you know, it's one of those things where they all go, oh yes, now that you mention it, I did have some suspicions. Mm. Um, mm. And this is quite interesting. After reviewing Winger's nine one one call, which picked up the sound of Harrington moaning in pain. <gasps> and then also talking to a neighbour who had heard gunshots, investigators concluded that Winger hadn't immediately fired his gun twice at Harrington, as he'd claimed, but rather (gasps) waited five minutes between shots. Oh. And um, whilst... Do you reckon the second shot was after the 911 call? No, listen. Oh, yes, I do. Because during the 911 call, this is what's said. My baby's crying, Shut my up, baby's babe. crying, I've got to go, he told the operator on the 911 tape before hanging up and using the gun the second time to finish off the job. So you're right. Oh, he had shot oh. Harrington once, he calls That's 911. He, yeah. He's talking, he, Harrington starts moaning in the background. He then uses the ruse of the, the baby, oh my God, the baby's crying, the baby's crying. He then goes, and that's why there's that five minute gap between my- the initial shot and the second shot. My baby cries like a 40-year-old dying man moan. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> My baby has a very deep voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all the durries it's oh, most. Oh, oh, oh. Baby's that's like that. Shh, Bailey, shush, Bailey. It's okay. Yes, yeah, Bailey. <laughs> I've, told, this- I've told you to cry properly. And this one will <laughs> shock you. How they miss this, I do not know, but this is... Investigators also turned their attentions towards a note found in Harrington's Oldsmobile. Oldsmobile. It listed the winger's address and 4.30, suggesting rather than showing up unexpected, Harrington was attending a prearranged meeting. Harrington's roommate said they remembered his receiving at least one phone call from winger. This is so frustrating. I know. All they had to do was ask. Exactly. All they had to do was their jobs. Uh-huh. Mark Winger, it, uh, I like this is where the um, Weinhoff, who I think is one of the investigators, they say, as such, there's no way this murder could have happened the way, the way Mark Winger described. Mark Winger had concluded that he wanted to kill his wife. Mm-hmm. Then Roger Harrington happened to be the one who drove Donna Winger. Mark saw this as a golden opportunity and he told Deanne that he needed to get that man into his house. And that's exactly what he did. That's all he had to do. And then how easy was it? And then it was like all shut and shut up shop within, you know. So so can I ask, who held, who, did he beat his wife to death with the hammer then? Yes. Oh, God's sake. I mean, Donna's who, who, sake. Who else did you think did it? God or Donna. It's hard exactly. to tell God nowadays. or Donna's God sake. Or Someone's Donna. sake. But, oh, my God. For fuck's sake, awful. maybe. Yeah, for fuck's sake. That's I'm, better. <laughs> I, I want to know who else you thought might have hit, him, hit her over the head with a hammer. Well, no, because I, I wasn't sure. Harrington sounds like a special person. And... I wasn't sure yeah. whether or not he'd paid him to do no, it. No, I or... don't think he was that special, ah. actually. 
I think that I, I think gotcha. he, he was definitely suffering from some mental illness, but I don't know that he yeah. was as crazy no, as they allowed no, no, it to but, get away with, obviously. Yeah. But I wondered whether he'd paid him to do it. It said, no. "Come and beat my wife over the head yeah. with a hammer." No, we'll um, get to that. You know, he, I and, and that's no, 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 not at all. So interestingly, I was able to find that um, Deanne Schultz had actually run into Mark Winger, and the quote was, um, "After a chance meeting years later." When Schultz testified, she confronted Winger in the hopes of gathering information and asked him how he lived with himself. And he'd replied that he had found Jesus Christ and was forgiven. She said he warned her that if she ever said anything, they would both be in trouble. Now, I'm making a little bit of a leap here, but given that her surname was Schultz and she was best friends with Deborah, she also may have been Jewish. So she may have been part of that sort of tight-knit community. Um, But it feels as though we've spoken about this before that he thought that if he drew a line under the under the you know, drew a line in the sand, uh, changed religion and left everything behind, that he would be forgiven and he and Rebecca could start a new life with their new children and move on. Yeah, unbelievable. And did he say that Jesus had forgiven him? Yes. Is that he what had he found said? Jesus Christ and was forgiven, but also made sure he threw a little warning in there for uh, Deanne as well, not to say anything. Yeah. So Deanne is literally falling apart. Yeah, no, look, you can find Jesus yeah. Christ, but you've got to really repent yeah. to be forgiven. You can't just find Jesus and immediately Even be forgiven. Even for m- double murder? <laughs> double homicide? Even, would Jesus forgive you for that? Yes, Jesus is all forgiving, um, but you have to be truly Jesus. sorry. That's right, Jesus. But you have That's to right. be truly, truly sorry and not just say you're sorry in, a, in an effort to get out of being in trouble. You really have to be very sorry. And You've just it. got to say it well enough to trick Jesus into thinking that you mean it so that he'll forgive you. Yeah, but because Jesus is, you know, kind of God and he's kind of, you know, omnipotent, he's unlikely to get tricked too easily. You'd yeah. think so because Mark's only conveniently telling Jesus part of the story. It's not like he's then going to his new wife and saying, look, I have to, you know, I need you and Christianity to help me. This is what I really did. How can we make this right? He's just going to Jesus and going, uh, there was this little thing I did, uh, was involved in, you know, how, how can you help me out there? He's, he's using it for his own advantage, clearly just as a get out. It's a really good point because if he does try it on and he thinks he's convinced Jesus that, he's super sorry and Jesus goes all right you're forgiven at what point would he find out that Jesus didn't believe him would it be like immediately or would it be when he got to the pearly gates that's when he when gets does, to the pearly when does gates. that happen when you die and you go to the pearly yeah, gates yeah right so he's just the he big just reveal he's been forgiven yeah but he'll get his cometh uppance when he gets to the pearly gates and Jesus goes, fuck, mate, I didn't fall for that. Oh. Jesus won't even fall. Jesus <laughs> won't even meet him. So Peter meets him and he looks at oh, the yeah. book and he says, mate, you're on the way down. We've got a problem here. Coming through the gates. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a problem here, Mr. Winger. We've got a problem here, Mr. Winger. I don't don't think we have a room in your name here. Uh, Are you sure you've got the right dates? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's like, are you sure? We're Uh, fully booked, but we do have... There's something downstairs with your name on it. I think we can squeeze you in at our other property. (laughs) Yes. It's interesting because we had a booking a little 
while ago there was a there was a Donna and she's no problem. She's in yeah. here. But uh, it certainly wasn't a Mr. and Mrs. booking. No, so, Mr. and Mrs. No, Winger, no. We've yes, got, and we've she's, got a Donna Winger here, but no, I don't see a Mark She's Winger. got the single room. She That's right. She asked for a single she asked for a single room, so we can't help you. She was very specific. Yes. It's a single room. <laughs> One she bed. Was. Oh, God. That's right. That's right. <laughs> one toothbrush. Right. Toothbrush. Glad we got that. One started. of everything. Yep, yep, yep. So, okay. Deanne's. Um, right, sorry about the digression. <laughs> that was very good good. To- so, Deanne Schultz's testimony, they were, you know, Mark's team were obviously saying that she was unstable. And to be fair, she was because I think she'd suffered so much in the sense that she was carrying this load on her own. I mean, she hadn't, she had had an affair. There is no doubt about that. But I don't think that she ever thought that. Mark was going to go and kill her best friend and obviously then it just got beyond her. And then with him threatening her, um, it was not till you know, three and a half years later when she's come forward. So she was granted immunity for her testimony. Um, there was no direct evidence. What was the threat again? That, just that if she ever said anything, they would both he, be in he, trouble. That was just from him because they think, I don't think that they'd sort of had no, to do That's not a threat, is it? Well. That, that's more like a promise because a threat would be, you know, if you say anything, I'll kill you. Do you, do you don't no, think, no, you don't think he went in hard enough to make the point? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just feel like I, I don't feel like that's enough of a threat to not say anything. Oh, I see. What you're saying. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know, I know. But if she thought that in some way she was complicit and it would go to jail yeah. as well, then maybe that stopped her saying something until her conscience couldn't deal with it anymore. Which is but kind of what I think you're saying, complicit. Carla. Like she, yeah, she had yeah. an affair. She didn't murder. No. Well, but because of her, I she... mean, if you'd gone to the police and said immediately, "This guy did this," you know, you're very un... you're going to get a plea deal anyway. You're like, even if you are complicit, you're still going yeah. to be. Yeah, able to plead, I'm just a bit uncomfortable out. with her saying nothing. Oh yes, I'm taking your point. No, I told you, totally she right. sucks. Feel... She should not have done. I told you, she sucks. But what it helped to she prove sucks. was that Mark was obviously unhappy, well, unfaithful, did. and he had talked about wanting to kill his wife. So all of that that helped rather a great deal. Um, and she was a valuable witness because she was able to relate to presenting, you know, a motive to yeah. actually why someone would want to kill Donna. So, again, that was yeah. back in February actually, 19... Actually, that was my question, though. Why did he want to kill Donna? They they presented, you know, originally as this very happy couple. What was the what was the reason? I don't know, and it doesn't say anywhere because he's never admitted he's to banging, it. He's banging Deanne, so he's... But it's not, not like he went to bang Deanne afterwards. Do you know what I mean? That was just well, it's, you know. It's not like he couldn't have divorced her. That's so I don't understand why he he decided she had to die. But this, this yes. is a common theme where people they get unhappy and then they murder their partner rather than leaving them, and then they find Jesus and Jesus forgives them. No, he doesn't. But I think we've all just established that Jesus doesn't really forgive them. They just not, think he no, does, but no. he. Yeah, uh, tricksy, calls them out at an appropriate Jesus. time. I just yeah, wish he'd call them out a bit earlier. He is a Trixie Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is quite interesting. So that was at the beginning of 1999. And then it's not until December of 1999 yeah. that Mark Winger is seen as a suspect. So all of this research is sort of happening in the background. I don't know why it takes quite so long. But February to December, can you believe that? So in December 1999... Is that defective detective or is it really thorough detective? I don't know detective? what on earth has gone on in Springfield, but I tell you what, I wouldn't want to have something awful happen to you there. It does seem rather... Oh, maybe it's sloth detective. Very sloppy work, I'll give you that much. I'm on a break. 
I yeah. just Googled it and there's a new Krispy Kreme Switzerland. I'm Crepes going set to oh. look into this. <laughs> so, more than four years after the murders, the Springfield State Journal Register ran an article based on allegations in a civil lawsuit that Winger had arranged that murdered himself and killed both his wife and Harrington. The allegations were based on a blood splatter. Spatter, that says, not splatter. Spatter. Blood splatter. Is, is that spatter. right? Is it? Yes, spatter's correct. I just learned yeah. Yeah. Blood spatter expert hired by the Bart Transportation. Remember, they were the company that he was trying to get money out of. Bart Simpson. Now, again, another reference. Oh, my God, no. Remember, we talked about the transportation Every time I hear Springfield, I hear the theme song. Oh, God. Exactly. And here we have... Um, Carla, you must have missed the um, the, uh, Law and Order uh, spatter versus splatter Module, uh, the module. I think I haven't. I've, I, <laughs> module, I yes. Oh no, maybe it's to come. That unit. Cert, You're probably hungover. Cert two, is it? Is probably it cert one. That spatter. Probably that's oh. that's very basic. I need to go. It's and, pretty basic. I need to get back to my glossary and go that through my terminology of my law and order, the law and order yeah. academy. Um, <laughs> it's pretty basic in terms of forensics. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Rebecca, sorry. who is his wife. Uh, remember, she was the nanny who moved yes. in to look after Bailey. So she has totally been oblivious to all of this. So she says, everything came to a head. It changed everything. I mean, it went from Winger as the hero who was defending his wife, this noble stand-up guy that every man wanted to pat on the back, to a manipulative, deviant murderer. So she she honestly thinks that he that had had nothing to do with it. Never, never crossed her mind. I, I love... Immediately. I love the use of the word deviant there because, like, devious, yeah. I'd go with. Deviant just sounds like, you know, they, they had a bit of deviant fun in the bedroom and it was fine until she realised he was a murderer. Yes. And now he's a... Well, they were, the, they were Rebecca um, Search's words. That... Yeah, I think... I mean, um, I... Tell us, Schmitty. Well, she lived with him, Devious right? and so... deviant are not the same thing, are they? No, no, I wasn't. I was gonna wasn't going to down going down the path around the semantics of the words. I was just thinking about why she didn't pick okay. up on it, which is just she lived with him, and you know, I think you said Carla, she fell in love with him or whatever, and he obviously didn't show any signs of wanting to kill anyone else or talking about it, so she just didn't even occur to her. Look, his children really loved him. Two I, I don't know that. I'm not saying that he was a good father or not, but I certainly get the impression that his children thought he was amazing. So in the the stuff that I've done when he, you know, when he's taken away, they were totally, you know, the, the rug was pulled out from him. They didn't yeah. know this was coming. Um, yeah, well, I'm well, sure he was a master manipulator by any account. Jesus fell yeah. for it. Mm. So as a detective, oh sorry, darling, <laughs> Jesus didn't fall for it. <laughs> JC. Yeah, yeah, the kids fell for yeah. it, but Jesus didn't. Not Jesus, no. no. What would Jesus yeah, do? Well, you know, oh, not fall. I, w- I wish we could. I wish we could skip forward a few years and actually get footage of that interaction. <laughs> That'd be great. As the detectives continued right, so... their re-investigation, they learned that Harrington's mm-hmm. roommate, a lady called Susan yes. Collins, had initially told police. So remember, this is back initially when the, when it all gone down that someone had asked to meet Harrington on the day of the murders and that she'd seen Harrington on the phone arranging that meeting. Remember, inside Harrington's car, they found a note written on a bank deposit with Mark Winger's name, his address, and the time to be there. It's just disgusting that that was, (laughs) you know, just ignored. There's no no, no other word for ignored. 
Roger the Harrington whole, was whole, not an intruder. The whole yeah. 48, yeah, the whole 48 hour open and shut case yeah. is disgusting. Precisely. Yeah. He was not an intruder. Maybe it was just sloth detective, though, and he was still looking into it. It was just taking a long, long time. And so sloth detective is still looking into it, but everyone else has moved on and closed it out. Well, he's going, no. There's a difference between being slow and a difference between ignoring something, don't you think? They've chosen to ignore things. No, but it might have been on his to-do list. It's not even that it's slow to the point. It just went, no, that's not relevant. The you know the name of the guy who's just killed. No, but maybe sloth detective was yeah, still looking into it, but everyone else went too slow. Mm. We're we're in a fast paced world nowadays. Yeah. Sloth. So Roger Harrington was. No, Carla's not having it. Carla sloth. thinks defective detecting, and I tend to. No, nah, she's not having a bar of it. No. I just think it really is. I just I. Lazy. I just feel like if you were a sloth and you were a detective. It'd be really hard to do it in this fast-paced world. <laughs> It'd just be really challenging. I think it's smart to be a sloth. Because people wouldn't close it out in 48 hours. That's a very hours. valid point you made. If you were a sloth mm. in a detective You'd still be taking in the current, notes on the current world. There was a Let's note a in further. the car. Crime solved. <laughs> Damn it. But this, I mean, honestly, it's played out like yeah. a, a crime in Springfield, like The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, all done. Never mind. Um, it totally has, hasn't it? Totally. It's like, Chief oh, Wigan. No, Chief Wigan. <laughs> Chief Wigan. Chief Wigan. Absolutely. You couldn't be. Oh, God. Oh. I think you've called that. You've, it's perfect. Yes. Chief Wigan. Oh, God. So, Roger Harrington was not an intruder, but rather Funny. he was lured into the home by Mark Winner. Simich said, I didn't know that this whole investigation was brewing. I never thought the whole time that they thought my husband was a diabolical murderer. She likes the big... The big words now that she's discovered that diabolical, diabolical and deviant. What? He was a deviant. Now she's going diabolical. all out now. So, oh, I didn't know he was a diabolical murderer. I just thought he was a, you know, vanilla murderer. Standard bog standard yeah. murderer. That's right. Just your average garden variety murderer. So we jump forward to 2001, August, and a grand jury quickly returned indictment against Winger for the murders of Harrington and Donna Winger, his wife. A warrant was issued for his arrest they quickly point. hang on they quickly <laughs> did they quickly indicted him yeah quickly after all those years correct it's like there's nothing quick about it right yeah it's like that when they need to make a decision they're super quick the jury were like come on quick smart <laughs> they've got to do some chop investigating chop. Chop, chop. yeah yeah <laughs> choppy chop it, it's decision time yeah. we don't have all day <laughs> none of this sloth behavior come on that's right what i thought was interesting correct. though so they his arrested but there's a the his wife's sisters they I don't think that they really thought it was him. They didn't they hadn't made that leap at any his, point. And when they were asked about it, they were like, Well, we loved Rebecca's him, he was our sisters. you know, part of our family for he loved our sister. We didn't want that to be the outcome. And I think, you know, they obviously were hoodwinked, mm. but they they weren't thinking, Go and get him, go and get him and when I read that I was kinda of surprised because I think I'm I'd be the person who'd be like, go after him, it's him, it's him, it's him. And they just weren't like that. I still wanted to believe he was innocent, she said. That's one of the yeah. sisters. Here's this person that I know in handcuffs and what's going to happen? I think they also felt for a little baby, well, she's not such a baby anymore, a little girl, Bailey. Bailey. But isn't that, I find yeah. that quite remarkable that they that's their sort of view. Mm. But it's again, it hey, seems I found out, quite um, out today of that Bailey's yeah. has a use-by date. What was that, Clarkie? Does it? 
I found out that Bailey's has a use-by date. Apparently, once you open it, you're supposed to keep it refrigerated. I'd have to ask my mum. Did you find out? Did you find out the bad way? Did you find out the bad way by trying to drink? No, I found out the good way, and I'm still. I still don't think it does have a use-by date, despite the fact that it says that. I think you can leave it on the bench for years and still drink it. I have never refrigerated it. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. So, uh, so Carla. So the trial doesn't begin because I know we've got to really drag our heels on this. So now we jump ahead to May 2002. Well, we're, I mean, we're doing our best to drag our heels on the story <laughs> at this point, too. Anyway. <laughs> but I mean, it's I, think, just, I think I broke one of my heels, too, and I'm still... <laughs> yes, still, still ahead of the game with these lot. Um, so in May... Still dragging. 20, May 20, 2002, his trial begins. Um... And this is what one of the sisters said. The sister hadn't seen Rebecca for a long time, you know, the new wife. The first time I saw Rebecca was at the trial. I wanted to love Rebecca. She adored Bailey, but I also wanted to hate Rebecca because Rebecca took my sister's husband, married him, adopted her child, and then had three more children that my sister wasn't able to have. That feels more like the kind of response I was expecting a little bit earlier. I mean, they they seem to give this pair... But she didn't do it. She didn't do it on purpose. Like She didn't know he was a killer. It's not like she... It was all premeditated. No, not at all. She wasn't there. She wasn't there for that. But, you know, it's that thing of going... When you say three children, is it three murderers or three deviants or three diabolical diabolical diabolicals like would you would you then look at them and think there's just a ticking time bomb or would you go no they're fine yeah i tell you what they'll they'll grow up to be delinquents Um, no (laughs) apparently not (laughs) i know where they are and i think well they may well do that but i think jc is has a sort of a very calming hand stronghold yeah he does he right, he does. So they're pretty. Good happy. on you, JC. Good on you, JC. JC, hey, JC, JC, you're all right by me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he he might do that until the pearly gates, and then he might just go, ha ha. I didn't fall for that either. <laughs> I don't know if JC is that diabolical. If they're good kids, they're good kids. He he doesn't dish out instant karma, does he? Oh no. No, he doesn't. Well, not, not often. No, it takes his time. You've got your whole life to repent properly, is the point. But if you don't, well, you've got eternity to feel sorry for that. Bum, bum, bum! Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I think we've covered most of, mm. you know, the evidence and where it was sort of found and how, okay. he, how everything he said was untrue. The bodies were, you know, they didn't marry up with where he said they were. We knew that... Roger, Roger's car was outside, parked as if it wasn't, you know, if anyone could notice it. He left what would be a weapon, including a knife, in his car. He took a coffee mug in with him with drink in it and Siggy's <laughs> in to commit this murder and then happened to use a hammer that was at the house. So, like, all this stuff was suggesting that, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't a premeditated murder. He was it. just a victim oh, like yeah. his, um, like devil. I'd want to get the most out of my coffee before I murdered someone. <laughs> you take That's your durries sure. in with your coffee, love, and go, Have a little oh, dark, yeah, calm yeah. your nerves. Don't, don't mind me. Don't mind me. Get the edge off oh. this. I'm out. You've done this before, love. It's very I'm only stressful. halfway through my latte. I'm not leaving that in the car. I'm going to take it with well, me. That cost a fortune. You're going to finish it. That's right. Oh, Well, right. they're just delicious. 
So oh, you're like this so. after a very short trial. So after all of these years, uh, the trial only lasted three weeks and the jury found Winger guilty of two counts of first-degree murder. Good. Rebecca Sivich said oh, she believed jury. he would have been going home with them. After hearing the verdict, she said the words guilty rang through her head and that she wanted the earth to open up and swallow me. Again, I find her... She thought he was going... Uh, she thought he was innocent. Well, this is what I find difficult yeah. to get my head around. In in one breath, she's saying, oh, they're saying my husband is a diabolical murderer. I didn't realise this. And then all of a sudden, they're saying he's guilty. And she's like, oh, oh, they've found him guilty. It's like, well, did you believe it or not? I mean, I, I'm a bit sort of... I wouldn't say I'm off her, but there are things about sort of the way she's chosen to view the whole situation. Perhaps she was blinded by the fact that, you know, perhaps he was a, a good dad and she had you know, by this point, four children because of Bailey and the three brothers and sisters that they bore. But, um, bore, is that the right word? Oh, that sounded a bit wrong. Maybe he was just yeah. very two-faced. Yeah. And, oh, and for maybe sure. he tricked her like he tricked JC, oh, but he obviously. didn't really trick JC. He didn't trick JC. JC's going to get him. Um, but, yeah, no, he obviously is yeah. incredibly <laughs> manipulative. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is, a, this is quite good to hear. I think we all need to hear this from the de- defective detective side. So Helen Harrington, who was Roger's um, mother, she was relieved and grateful her son had been vindica- vindicated of Donna's murder. We knew that Roger yeah. was innocent and it finally got proven, she said. He was branded a murderer at the time, but all of this has come to an end. The police had come to terms with the faulty initial investigation. I was ashamed of the way the investigation went, Cox said. I hurt Roger Harrington's family. I ran his name through hell for no reason. I mean, he was an innocent victim. The police department had too hastily closed the case and turned a blind eye to some red flags. And to right such a wrong, it felt great. So there you go. Now that guy, was that guy the lead investigator? At in the, the time, Cox was. Cox was the one who had yeah. said that he who, knew who of him. He said, I've met him yeah, before. I've rented him to him. I've leased yeah. him, you know, the caravan or trailer to him. I've seen him, you know, give his wife, his then wife, um, a hard time. So the, the guy was not, you know, without a bit of a record as such. But there was no investigation, as we can see. It was just like we just ignore all the red flags. Well, let's call the red flags evidence <laughs> for the sake of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah. I hate it when evidence gets in the way of a good story. Exactly. We don't. Well, we don't need that. Keep. The one thing about that is at least he didn't turn around and say, no, we were fine and this other stuff came up later. He admits that he got it all wrong. Yeah. That's something. I think that's important. Not great, but but there are a lot of people who won't admit in that situation. They'll just say, they'll just keep sticking to their guns. So on August 1... If you were a detective, though, evidence would make your job a lot harder, wouldn't it? Oh, I think like, this evidence would have made you your job pretty easy. Your... I, I can't think of a no, situation. This evidence yeah, seemed you, to, it, it really I mean, did point it to It wouldn't have been on. hard. Yeah. It wouldn't have been hard to actually pinpoint the correct murderer at the outset. No, but harder. it would have been harder than just making it up. Yeah. But <laughs> when they started to put it together, I have read on Murderpedia. I didn't read it in the other sources that I had, and I don't know who to believe. But Murderpedia said that Mark Winger actually called and wanted to speak to Roger Harrington after he had harassed his wife. You know the, the journey from St. Louis yeah, to yeah. Uh, Springfield? Yeah. I can't yeah. find proof of yeah. this anywhere else, but in Murderpedia, it, suggest, it says 
that over, between the time that they got back and obviously the murder, he had called and it was very unusual because he kept saying to the operator, I personally want to speak to the, the driver. I don't think that they'd let you do that. But, the, you know, he was really trying to find him. So all of these things point towards the fact that, you know, Mark Winger was desperately trying to get hold of this man because, he, you know, he found the foils. Like, I just got to get this guy in my house and he can be my Perfect Patsy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So in August 1, 2002, Mark Perfect Winger was sentenced Patsy. to life in prison with mm. no parole for the murder of his wife and Harrington. To this day, Winger maintains his innocence. I'll piss off. So there are two things I'd like to add to this before we go to sentencing. Piss One off. of them is <laughs> this is this is Mark Winger, right? In two thousand and five, so he's in jail. Mark Winger was implicated in a murder for hire plot. He likes that kind of thing, doesn't he? Where he allegedly tried <laughs> to put a this hit on yeah. Deanne Schultz. So he's uh, the woman that he had oh. the affair with and the person who obviously yeah. had come to the police and really was the one that got the, the investigation got done, away, correct? Really. Yep. And a yep. childhood, childhood friend who refused to pay bail. Now, when I cross-referenced this, I was able to find it somewhere else and it said that when he in, back in 2001, when he was indicted and arrested, he was held on bail for $10 million. So he asked his old friend, Jeffrey Gelman, to put up the money. He was a successful Floridian um, real estate developer, but he declined. So that was kind of the only comment I could find. But poor old Jeffrey and Deanne are the two that he was trying to put a hit on from jail and got caught. Uh, so he was tried and convicted again, this time for the solicitation of murder, and he was sentenced to another uh, 35 years in prison. <laughs> uh, hello? Another 35 yeah. years in prison? Yeah. This guy is just... He's going to go to the pearly white gates once he dies and Jesus is going to say, hang on a minute, mate. Or what's his name who st stands at the gates? St. St. Peter. Peter. He's going to say, hang on a minute, mate. You've got another 35 years to go. <laughs> go back and then we'll talk. Oh, God. So... Oh, God. Uh, Bailey, who was a little girl, or the baby at the time, she has since been reunited... And also a delicious yeah. alcoholic beverage. With Donna's family, because remember... They just sort of cut them off. And it's really lovely, actually. She wrote, um, it was so incredible to see that there's this whole big family that loves me. And Sarah Jane, who is Donna's mother, has my baby picture on her kitchen counter with all her other grandkids, even though we've been gone for so long. So I think that's, that's nice for us to know, that Bailey has been reunited with Donna's family. And so you know where, where Rebecca Simich is and all of... Or all the kids, which includes Bailey, another three kids. Um, as soon as he was uh, sentenced to life imprisonment, her brother took her and they left Springfield forever. They never returned. And um, What did you say? Where did they leave? They, leave, they left Springfield. Springfield. They, Springfield. They left where they lived. Do you know what okay. I mean? They just, they left. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you say Springfield, this is what goes Springfield. I feel like this is the um, soundtrack to the detective's life as well. Sorry, I always digress. That's alright, it's your job. 
That's what we're here for, to, to digest. Otherwise, people could read it for themselves <laughs> online. It's about the digression. Oh, that's it's true. very true. So I found in my research an article called, oh, actually, sorry, the source is Southeast Outlook. And if I understand it correctly, I'm a little bit confused, but it's definitely a Christian website. And it, I don't know if they talk about a campus, and I don't know if it's because the church is so big or if it's part of a university, but I believe it's in Indiana. And the um, article's called Wife Finds New Life After Husband's Murder Conviction. And it basically, there's a photograph of um, Rebecca with her now four grown-up children. You know, they're sort of teenagers. Um, and it just basically says that she left and with the help of God and their close church family, Jesus. they've been able to have some degree of anonymity. Um, and that her test was obviously really, her, sorry, her faith was tested. But, you know, that with with Jesus helping her and having, putting a you know guiding hand on her children, they're all happy. Um, I don't think life's been easy, but they do think that they um, live a complete life and they they seem pretty happy. So, I don't know. There you go. Sometimes, do you reckon, maybe it was all his plan. Do you reckon plan. JC helps her out more than other people if, um, given that she was married to, to what's-his-name, who thinks that he's gotten away with it? She thinks she played a role. She, she thinks God put her there. She thinks, and I said this early yeah, on, uh, but it, this comes back in the article, which is really not related to the earlier stuff. She said, Simich, so that's Rebecca, said that Bailey is the reason she became part of the Winger family in the first place. She believed God was calling her to care for the infant and she had no idea what events would unfold in the future. That she adopted Bailey after her marriage to Winger cemented their relationship and gave her full rights to Bailey as her adoptive mother, which must be quite tricky for Donna's family. Um, thinking about how the events turned out helps give Simich faith that she can trust God despite her doubts, fears and confusion. Now, when she believes God is asking her to do something that does not make sense, she makes a choice to put her doubts aside and trust him. And she that, that's how they get by. I think that that's how I it works like, for them. Yeah. It's all relative, isn't it? Because I feel like Donna's family wouldn't think that God's um, put her in that space. They'd be going, get out. We'll happily look after her. <laughs> yes, I think you might be right there. I suspect that... I don't think they think yes, Rebecca has probably got different, done a bad job. And she's with her siblings. Well, it's not even that the same I do I think God, the, the different gods really doesn't help a great deal. But I think that they recognise <laughs> that Rebecca really was a, a was a good mother to Bailey. And because she's got three other children, Bailey is part of a family unit. I suspect that as long as they can see Bailey, um, whilst it probably isn't yeah. what their ideal would have been, it probably is about as good as it's going to get for them if they can look at it somewhat, you know, objectively and see that it, it's, Sensibly, you know, that Bailey is happy. yeah. 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 So that's it. That is Mark Winger, who, you know, by all accounts, I saw it. There was one really great headline which read, well, at the beginning of something, saying, how much of a catch? Mark Winger, no great catch. And it says, if I ever brought a guy like Mark Winger home to meet my parents, they would have died of ecstasy. A nuclear engineer for the state of Illinois. I can hear my mother saying in awe, a graduate degree and solid job would be a nice parcel of news to relate to my extended family. And it's true. I think that he presented as this, you know, stand-up, well-educated, good yeah. good guy, nice husband, wanted a child, finding it difficult, they got the child. And that whole dream, you know, it was crushed. 
And he continued to behave badly, which always, you know, always helps sort of put the nail in the coffin when he just continues to be naughty and and maintain his innocence. But um, there you have it. So, now, how would you like to sentence Mark Winger? All right. We hope you're enjoying the show. We are a completely independent podcast and we want as many people to hear us as possible. We need your help. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook at Trial by Wine, where we share our updates, and contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. We can't thank you enough for your support. Now, back to the show. I'm just going to say, um, for those people who don't live in Australia oh. and don't recognise the screeching behind Paul, <laughs> I think that's a cockatoo. <laughs> that's one of our... Lovely native birds. Yeah, they're uh, at the front. Or is it a galah? Cockatoos so, and, or galahs. So all that screeching Apologies. and high-pitched noise. No, it's okay. I'm just letting the listeners know what that all was because we haven't commented on it. And I kept putting my window yeah. up and down thinking, is yeah, that around me? Because I'm out in the country as well. And then I'm like, no, it's not me. <laughs> we did sit them down last night and say, look, we're doing a bit of podcasting. Do you mind just not being around at this time? It's um, very galarish, But they're yes. not interested. Not all of them. And they said, we're happy to work with you, but we cannot work around, you know, dusk or dawn because we're really quite active at that point. <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly. And it's you have people. all the delicious snacks in your trees that we just have to come and <laughs> <Yes>. visit. <laughs> yeah. And all our windows are shut. Yeah, no, it's all good. So, Paul, sorry, there are two crimes. Uh, the murders, and what was the other crime? The solicitation to... The plotting to murder. Oh, the guy who didn't put his... Yeah, yeah. His, later on. his two old the, friends, one who he had the affair with and one who wouldn't put up the bail. Ten million rich, bucks. Yeah, yeah. Call yeah. yourself a Do friend. Do it for me or I'll kill you. Now, there's a real threat. Yeah. I'll get to put a hit on you. Yeah, God. Yeah, but we all know he doesn't have any money to pay for it because his mate won't give him $10 million. Um, All right, well, until you threw that other... Uh, oh, no, I reckon my, my sentence will hold for all of his crimes. Yeah. Do you want to hear my sentence? Shall I go first, Paul? Oh, yes, please. I would right. love to hear you. Yeah, yeah, please do. So I'm going to remind everyone, in case we've forgotten, that... At the very beginning of this story, Mark said that he was down in a basement on a treadmill. Or was it a, a bike? It was a treadmill, I thought. Yeah, that's and right. He heard, yeah, and he yeah. heard a thump and he ran upstairs Fire. and, yeah. you know, he found his wife being murdered. So he pulled the gun out and killed this person. So my sentence for Mark is for him to be put on a treadmill that he has to just walk on for the rest of his days every day every night just keep walking on that treadmill and get nowhere oh. that's my sentence uh, what's what shoes is he wearing um hmm. what maybe some of those remember those horrible i mean some people might have thought they were good but they're like shiatsu sandals that stuck up in your feet and were really uncomfortable do you remember those? Yes. They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah masseur things, and they had like little. Or, or what a masseur thong. I do. I remember getting them as a yeah. Christmas present because they were in, like, everybody wanted them. Yeah. 
Massage. What about um, some nice new leather shoes that actually don't quite fit properly <laughs> so he gets real blisters on his feet? Well, maybe what we could yeah. do is make it a public service thing where he's actually required to break people's shoes in. So every day he's got to walk through some, walk on in some uh, oh, new leather shoes. Yes. And then we give them to the people so they don't have any pain. And then he's got to break in another pair, etc., etc. So he's constantly walking and breaking in new shoes. What a lovely service right. that would get the local murderer to stretch your shoes. I'm sure that I'd yeah. be lining well, up for this. <laughs> well, if he's got all that time, you know, what they should do is take all the shoes from time. the shop down to the him cop first. shop that had the time. They got all the time in the oh, world yeah. that night. <laughs> The sloth shop. But he's also got the, <laughs> the 35, sloth the sloth shop. He's got the 35 years also on top of his yeah. life sentence because he's a dick. So <laughs> yeah. if the, what we do is we get the shop, the shoemakers to take the shoes straight to him and then sell them so no one knows that a murderer broke them in for you first. And then they can be sold as like the most comfortable shoes ever. You don't even have to break them in. Yeah, do you know what really upsets me about this crime? Is, Tell me. I, I think that perhaps being able to shoot someone is this sort of action of it's it's a, you pull the trigger it, it's it, it's gone it's done, but to slay your own wife with a hammer and hit her in the head no less than seven times that's in really case, fucked up isn't it that's really it's very brutal. personal it's very personal and it's it indicates to me a lot of rage and that's yes. why i asked what the motivation to murder his wife was doesn't like, seem to be enough it? does it what did you hate your your wife so much that you'll bash her over the head with a hammer seven times yeah and it's not like he or anyone ever came out and said a word against donna it's not like they came out and went oh actually it turns out that she had been she was you know, abusive or, or she'd done this done that yeah. he didn't nobody did she was he didn't crack. come out and say she was uh, it was unworkable it was untenable i had to just you know i had to put an end to it with a hammer i mean fuck i know yeah. and also it's all so premeditated yes. it's so cold-blooded you know it's not like mm. a moment of passion where i just grabbed a hammer and smacked her once and she yeah, died totally it's total premeditation it's yeah it is it's really yeah. shocking it's yeah, no, i just i really struggle yeah. and I, I, as a result of that i think i really struggle with some sort of comedic sentence because for me it's just you know, I've spent I a couple don't of weeks think being on a treadmill, breaking in leather shoes is comedic. <laughs> Sorry, darling. Not at all. I wouldn't. <laughs> hard work. I, I wouldn't want to do it either. Only recently no, I've been out and I, I can't service. wait. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to pay back to the society. Oh, you're good like that. From. You're so good like that. He's, I am. I am. He's tenancing for JC. <laughs> Did you used to have sandals when you were in primary school, like state primary school? We used to call them JCs because they were Jesus Christ sandals. Did you have those? <gasps> no. Well, Did we you wear sandals, sandals to we school? Them, yeah, but we didn't call them Brown JCs. leather with like a sort of a woven front part and then like a strap around the ankle. We called them JCs yeah. in Wollongong yeah, or New South Wales. JCs. But I can, see, I can see that they're Jesus sandals. Yeah, yeah, G, yeah. G, G, JCs. Reminds me of a Catherine Tate skit with Lauren. Yeah. you got a friend in Jesus, miss. Oh. Is the Lord your shepherd? <laughs> Lauren, <laughs> she's the teacher comes into school and she's got a, a light, nice flowing dress on and sandals. Bothered, and bothered, and not the, bothered. And that's her, but she starts saying to the teacher, Jesus, You got a friend in Jesus, miss. It's the Lord your shepherd. What? I'm not going out with him on. 
And you've got a mirror. Catherine takes it. With Lauren, the problem with Lauren is she's exactly like half the teenage kids that my teacher, my sisters teach. But yes. Yeah. Uh, so I've, all right, so what about I've you, got Clarkie? a sentence too. Yeah, so mine's a repeating mm-hmm. sentence as well. But um, so what I would like is for um, Mr. Winger to be in a field of stinging nettles and <laughs> uh, thinking as he does that he's gotten away with tricking JC into getting into the pearly gates. I want him to climb the stairway to heaven. And, and I'm going to assume that it's a long way. I don't really know much about this stuff, but I'm going to assume it's a long way, right? So it's going to take him maybe 23 hours to climb the stairs. And then he'll get to the pearly gates and uh, he'll meet St. Peter who will say, <laughs> we never fell for that, mate. And then he'll turn the stairs into like a big slide. slide. Snakes so he'll slide all the way back down again. But the last 50 metres is going to be sandpaper so that he just gets massive grazes as he does the last 50 metres, then lands in the stinging nettles. So he's going to land on the ground, grazed, covered in stinging nettles, and then time's going to reset and he's going to go, I've got to get out of here, I've got to get to the pearly gates. So he's going to start climbing again in pain, but also knowing that when he gets to the pearly gates, he's tricked JC, all is good. And then he'll spend the next 23 hours climbing those stairs, only to have the same thing happen again. Then he'll slide all the way down again, still with injuries, hit the 50 metres of sandpaper, make them worse, hit the nettles, and then time resets. So he's just going to get worse and worse and worse as time goes on. That's my sentence. So, so you basically send him to hell. Well, yeah, he doesn't even get there. He doesn't even need to. I do <laughs> think he's got a room reserved there by the sounds of things. He definitely has a reservation yeah, probably, down there. Yeah, probably a couple. But that's just before he gets it. Maybe that's till he does his sentence of 25 years twice. Well, it's life. And then 35 years. And then after yeah, okay. that, then he can go to hell. Okay. So we can have yeah, I think that's quite 85 fair. years of that and then hell for all eternity. Yeah, because we've talked about before the time that you're given, you know, like it, when it extends beyond your actual normal mortality, it's all a bit arbitrary. So, you know, you can't really yeah, yeah, serve yeah. it because yeah. you're dead. Agreed. So, yeah, yeah, so okay. So that, that means it's not an arbitrary sentence. Yeah. Okay, I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Carla, what about you? Hmm, okay. Well, because I like to go back to the thing that seems to, you know, define someone. Matter to him. For him, it felt like there was this opportunity to sort of start afresh as long as he left Judaism and went to Christianity. So I would like to see that he, whilst serving out his sentence, nobody offered him the lifeline in terms of whether it be Judaism or Christianity or any religion, I don't want him to be able to speak to anybody about anything. So he's left with his own guilt and he has to deal with that on his own without thinking that he can be forgiven because he can't. So he will be in prison without access to somebody who could make him feel a bit better or make him feel forgiven. And I'd also like to think that his family, his children and that would not not have anything to do with him either. So he was just left on his own to rock with his own decisions that he made where he wasn't able to try and manipulate anybody else or try and harm anybody else he's just left with his the decisions he made just cut off yeah cut off off. everyone yeah yeah 
No, no chance and, of forgiveness from did, anybody. If he did manage to convince himself that whilst he was alone, he'd still been forgiven, how mm -hmm. would you remind him that we hadn't actually forgiven him just because he'd talked himself into it? A good nut punch. <laughs> yeah. Well done. I don't know. I don't know. That wouldn't be enough, really, would it? But um, that's a good start. It'd be a damn good start. I don't know but if you've got yeah, no yeah. audience and he's got no one to share it with, and there's no one who can, you know, slightly make him feel like, you know, he might be redeemed or you know forgiven. If there's no audience, I just think that you know you're just stuck with your own thoughts, and I think that's probably about the the worst thing I could think of. Maybe he just needs a constant reminder of. Um, we still haven't forgiven you in some kind of painful way. Or maybe a reminder in his food. Oh. <laughs> what were you thinking? Hmm. Oh, I wasn't. I was just thinking, you know, I, I wasn't. You're, like, you're out of date, you're out of date Baileys. <laughs> that, yeah, that's right. You could have a nice Oh, well, you really know how to punish somebody, date. don't you? Yeah. I'm wicked. <laughs> this is off! <laughs> I wasn't refrigerated. I'll tell you how to make it off. I um I was trying to make a cocksucking cowboy for the kids. Oh. Um, now there's a sentence the you don't often hear, <laughs> darling. It was no. it was my niece's six year old birthday <laughs> and I thought let's all have cocksucking cowboys. Oh don't be ridiculous. She was eleven. <laughs> <laughs> they were eighteen. They were eighteen. The kids to me always. But no, it was the joint eighteenth birthday party. And um, yeah, and I thought, I'll you know, Auntie Caroline and the wild aunt, I'll I'll make them a cocksucking cowboy. And I went into my room and I pulled out the Baileys and I pulled out what said that it was um, butterscotch schnapps. And I clearly had forgotten that at some point, in some moment of badness, I had decanted some Madeira into that bottle. So oh. when I poured it into the Baileys, it curdled the Baileys immediately. And I took it out, not realizing oh. that, and gave it to them. And they drank <gasps> it. Man. Oh. And they were like, this doesn't seem right. And Is it right supposed to really it. taste like a cock-sucking cowboy, Auntie Caroline? Oh, this this <laughs> cowboy's a real cock-sucker. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's very I don't chunky. think he's been very clean. Oh, oh, yes. no. oh that was Caroline. It was, yes. it was a terrible mistake. Uh, and they have <laughs> never let me live it down. But there you go. You could take all the off Baileys that we could ever find and mix it with some Madeira or some equally just thing that's going to curdle it even further and that's the food that you want to give him. Right. Because yes. I and can tell it, you from like, personal experience, it's very unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> and then there just needs to be a little reminder of not forgiven. So when he drinks it and goes, ooh, that's disgusting, not forgiven. Not forgiven. Start again. That's right. Start, Start convincing again. yourself again. Yeah, that was a mistake. All right, yes, good, one. good one. Thank you, Carla. That was a good story. Excellent. Thank you. And um, thank you, Clarkie, for the laughs. And, uh, you know, as we say every week, because it's absolutely true, I'll uh, miss you already. Oh, indeed. I'll <laughs> oh, miss you both, All lovelies. Right. Thanks for the laughs. Talk to you soon. See, See you soon, guys. Cheers. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron 
at www.patreon.com trial by wine or visit our website www.trialbywine.com to donate to us your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences we really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us our cover art is by john christo and music is by beauchamp from pixabay.com <laughs>